you guys are. Well, let's welcome you back to this week in the association as Kevin and I begin our look at round two of the Miles Wolf Cup chase out there. And what better place to start than with Sam Bree? So, Sam, thanks for coming back to the show. I could think of a few better places for you guys to start, but I'm honored that you started with me. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad that for the first time ever I am advancing to round two of your Miles Wolf Cup playoff previews. That's that's pretty awesome, Sam. And let's just talk about excitement. Team just totally dominated Cleveland last night. You, you knew, by, I think, by the fifth inning that – you guys were going to be advancing, it seemed like. But what's that like broadcasting a game, hoping your team is going to come out with that final victory to get you to advance on? Well, it was a little bit of deja vu because the dogs have been in the same situation in the first round, now three years in a row. We had a game five winner-take-all in Fargo in 2021 where the dogs were up five to three in the seventh, and then John Silviano hit a grand slam and Fargo won the game. Last year, it was the Dogs and the Milkmen. Game three, winner take all at Impact Field, and Milwaukee wins at the buzzer in the ninth inning. So it felt like a little deja vu uh, coming to the ballpark with that feeling of, okay, we need to win this game in order to move on. And everyone's playing desperate. Um, and after, after a few innings, man, it, it seemed like Cleburne was destined to win that game because – the dogs had every opportunity to score. Seven runners stranded in the first three innings, and we're looking around saying, wow, they just, they're just giving it away right now. Um, but clearly it was just a matter of time before the dogs' offense came alive. Uh, and next thing you know, you look up and it's a 12-2 to 2 score. And I think it's pretty clear, you know, even speaking with Brad Allred, who's, you know, the voice of the Rotors and as passionate about Cleburne as anyone, you know, just a better team won, right? I mean, the Dogs finished 10 games better than Cleburne in the regular season for a reason. Um, it's just the, the better team won, and it took three games to make it happen. You know, I'm curious, Sam, that you sometimes see in the sports world where a team is, you know, looks like they have great things going for them, but there's always that one obstacle that stands in their way of really getting a big-time playoff run going on. Do you feel like now that you guys have gotten past this first series that maybe this really opens up the door for the dogs to make a serious run here? I think so. I mean, mm -hmm. it's you, you get over that hump, right? We've seen so many teams in a lot of different sports where, like, there's that one hump, and once you get over it, it just breaks open. So I think for the dogs, certainly this first round has been a bugaboo. Um, it's it's in, in a short series. Um, starting pitching plays a really important role, and the Dogs' starting pitching this year is better than it's ever been. They go Joe Wheeland in Game 1, Nick Green in Game 2, and Stephen Lacey in Game 3. You mix that with a great bullpen, and, yeah, it was nice that the offense scored 12 runs last night, but they didn't need to score 12. You know, they would have won with less. Um, they won with five runs the other night. So, um this coaching staff is always adamant about it. Starting pitching is what wins you playoff games. And the dogs have never had it in the way that they have it this year, which is why you see them playing in round two. But as you mentioned on the previous show that this is a different cast of characters. They don't remember 2022 or 2021. No. no. Not at all. I mean, the only, the only characters in that clubhouse 
that have any memory of anything in either of those two years are the coaches, right, Butch Hobson, Joe Dominic, Stu Clyburn, Ryan Lidge, Brennan Metzger, Joe Cavallaro, Brian Schlitter, and me, right? That's it. And, of course, the front office and the fans. But in terms of the actual roster, no one really knows what happened. I mean, I'm sure some of them don't even know, right? You know, you have to read up on Dog's history to find out. So uh, it's a totally new cast of characters, uh, which is why you can kind of wipe a lot of last year clean and just start anew with this group. I was watching the game last night and watching Stephen Lacey pitch. He's not popping any radars, radar guns, is he? But he, the movement on his pitches, uh, Cleburne just couldn't figure him out. Oh, he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch now because you're right. He's not, he's not like a DJ Snelton who comes in the game and throws 98 with a nasty slider, and we all know he was in the major leagues with the Giants. Like he's, it's not one of those guys. It's oh, okay. It's this 24 year old kid who was just pitching college baseball at Delta State, smaller school, earlier this year, not popping radar guns, and he's just a gamer. I mean, look at his last three starts. Nine-inning complete game against Gary. Seven-inning complete game in a doubleheader against Sioux City. And then yesterday against the top-scoring offense in the league in the biggest game he's ever pitched in. Five innings, one run against Cleburne. And that one run was a Jose Sermo home run, and freaking everyone in the league has given up a Jose Sermo home run by this point. So you can wipe that. I mean, Stephen Lacey is a, such a gamer, and if we are playing Milwaukee on Thursday night in a winner-take-all game three, heck yeah, give me Stephen Lacey on the mound for the dogs. Now, we talked to you about this a little bit, Sam, heading into the first round, and one thing I came to really appreciate about this offense during the series is the depth of it. You know, Dylan Rosa was added at the All-Star break, and uh, Johnny Turbo we talked about here has been really kind of a speedster at the top of that lineup there when he's been batting first. And I, I'm just kind of wondering, I mean, Josh Altman didn't have that particularly great a series against Cleveland, but, boy, you guys were still scoring a lot of runs out there. I mean, this is a lot more potent yeah. offense than I think a lot of people get credit for. Totally, totally. This is not a one-man team. I mean, yes, Josh Altman, you know, he was an MVP candidate, right? Uh, it could be easy to look at it and say, oh, wow, they go as Altman goes. Yeah, uh, and Altman's amazing. He is the dog's best offensive player, and certainly he is the reason why they've won so many games this year. But there are enough pieces around Josh that enable a result like this week where, you know, Josh, he was productive. He had some singles, some runs scored, but the powerful bat were Luke Mangieri, Dylan Rosa, Matt Botcher, Peyton Eels put the team on his back a lot of times this week. So um, it's really nice to know that you have Josh Altman, but you don't need him to go four for four with three home runs in order to win a series. And I think that was the difference between the Dogs and Cleburne is that Cleburne has all that power, right? They've got the big names like Sermo, like Narrier, like Boswell, but the dogs have just one to nine and really one to 12 when you count the guys that are on their bench every night, uh, one to 12, a very complete lineup that can beat you in a lot of different ways. And that's what we saw. I was talking to Rob off the air last night and 
Peyton Eels is a guy that I've noticed. It just seems like ever since he's joined the ball club, the offense has taken off. I've rarely seen him play, and he's already become one of my favorite players. He's one of mine. He's one of Butch Hobson's favorite players. Um, he, one of my broadcast partner, Aaron Shellen, he's one of his favorite players. I mean, it's, he's one of those guys that if you watch baseball and appreciate the hustlers, right, the guys who might are 5'7 and absolute gamers and hustle their butt off, that's Peyton Eels. He turned two singles into doubles this week. That's a really valuable play that if you look in the box score, it's just a double and you think, okay, the guy, you know, banged it off the wall. Well, no, Peyton Eels has hit two doubles where it's just like a line drive to right field and he extends it with his legs. He makes smart plays at second base. He's an absolute vacuum cleaner at second base, and he's very smart. Um, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he was the leadoff man and best player for a really good Coastal Carolina team in 2023, did not get drafted, and was kind of pissed about it. And he's playing with the chip on his shoulder and has fully embraced the dogs and fully embraced leading this team to a championship as a way to show people, uh, you know, I, maybe I should have been drafted. Right, I think a lot of teams might one day regret that they passed on Peyton Neals. You know, speaking of regret, Sam, one guy I could not be happier about advancing on here is Ryan Lynch, who's done, I think, anything anybody could have ever asked to get himself back in a Philly ball. Has been in these dogs' kind of losses over the last few seasons. Watching him play, how excited are you for this opportunity that he's getting to advance in a playoff series for the first time? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, listen, guys have all sorts of different motives, right? And, and, and the dogs are fortunate, and thanks to Butch Hobson, to have fostered an environment where guys want to win championships. But, you know, there are guys who are in it for selfish reasons, of course, and, and want to get signed and focus a lot on individual accolades. Not Ryan Lidge. I mean, if he does, he's keeping it in because he is all about winning a championship. I have heard him over the years, from the day I met him, many times saying the phrase, I want to bring a championship to Rosemont. I want to win a championship for Rosemont, for the dogs. I love this organization. I want to win a championship for Butch, for this organization. Right? He is, he is the definition of a company man. He wants it so badly. And I remember the, the most solemn dogs clubhouse I ever saw was in 2021 in Fargo when they lost game five on that Silviano Grand Slam. And no one was more emotional than Ryan. He wants to win so badly. And to see him now be five wins away from finally delivering that championship to this team that he has embraced and that has embraced him and that he is the face of in so many ways. He is a good man. And I'm so happy for the whole clubhouse, but top of that list is Ryan Lidge. Now you face a Milwaukee team that you guys know very well. Uh, how do you feel like the dogs match up, and where are some areas that you're watching this thinking, wow, this, here's some spots we've really got to deliver here? Well, we have to deliver in the first five innings. I mean, their, their starting pitching is I, – I think these are the best two starting pitching rotations in the league when you match Wheeland, Green, and Lacey for the dogs up against Ryan Zimmerman, Gregory Vasquez, and Kyle right? He had, he had 
Kane County at one hit through seven innings yesterday. So um, it's great starting pitching. And I think these these games might be games that are won not in the final few innings, but actually in the first few innings. Um, we know both teams have great bullpens. I mean, the dogs are going to struggle to score off of, of Peyton Gray and Jack Mahoney. We know the milkmen are going to struggle to score off of Jake Newberry and Joe Cavallaro and Snelton and Warzik and Schlitter and all those guys. So I think, I really do think that in this series, you'll kind of look up and say, oh, wow, the team that scored first, that drew that first blood, is the team that won just about every game. Um, I, I really, really believe that starting pitching will define this series. Now, Kevin was asking you before we got on the air here today about Milwaukee had some stuff going on. So they take on game one and then game two and three go to Chicago uh, instead of the other way around. How big of an advantage do you think that is for the dogs to have those two games at home, especially after they use them to be Cleburne? Yeah, it's awesome because, frankly, there's no better playoff atmosphere in this league than Impact Field. I mean, all across minor league baseball, franchises struggle to draw big crowds in the playoffs for a variety of reasons, right? You don't, you don't have months to promote your big nights. School's back in session. The weather might get a little chillier. So all those reasons, you'll often see half-empty ballparks. But Impact Field, I mean, they are, dogs are still drawing crowds, and the crowd is into it. I mean, man, that playoff atmosphere last night at Impact Field was legit. It felt intense. The fans that were there were into it. And I think in a lot of ways that helped will them to victory in both games. So it's no shocker to me that the dogs went down to Cleburne and lost and then came home and they won. So it is a huge advantage that in spite of not winning the division, the dogs get to play those decisive games at home. Because historically, they do not play well in Milwaukee. So... If you lose game one in Milwaukee, you have the solace of home field. And if you win game one in Milwaukee, well, then it's time to protect home field. So um, I think that that is a big advantage for the dogs, big advantage. So it should be a great atmosphere because Milwaukee's got their pocket of fans that will travel down to Chicago for the games, too. So it should be a really good, really easy for the yes, players to get even add, more pumped up. Totally, and I will add, yeah, Milwaukee's going to bring some fans to Chicago, no doubt, but there's going to be a lot of red and blue at Franklin Field tomorrow. I mean, just anecdotally, walking around the ballpark after the game last night, I heard a lot of, I'm going to Milwaukee, I'm making the trip up to Milwaukee. You know, fans, you know, dogs, staff, our broadcast crew, like, there's going to be a lot of dogs fans there, and you know, on, a, on a, what's going to be a rainy Monday night in Milwaukee where there might not be that big of a crowd, I think the Dogs fan base will make a pretty big impact, actually, in Franklin Field. So don't be surprised if you see a pretty good amount of red and blue in the sands tomorrow night. Nice. Now, i got to tell you, Sam, you know, you guys make a really big deal about mustard. And, and I, I want to know why, and like, if the team wins and advances to the championship series, instead of a champagne shower, how about, how about a mustard shower? Can, can we get that going on? Ooh, I like it. You know, we did, there was a beer-soaked celebration on the field last night. And 
I heard from some of the players after the game that they were a little cold. You know, it got it was a, it was a high 50s, low 60s by the end of the night, and they're all soaked in ice cold beer, and some of them were kind of shivering. So now you're kind of getting me thinking, okay, well, mustard isn't like a cold thing. You know, you don't have ice cold mustard, so maybe that would be a better cold weather celebration. I like it. I like it. Give me your finest honey mustard, and we'll make it happen. <laughs> you know, all speaking right. of that celebration, speaking of the celebration last night, I thought it was a really, really nice tweet that Aaron Sheelan put out this morning that the players not only celebrated, but they also stuck around and picked up after themselves. And that's, yeah. like he said in the tweet, that just shows a ton of class. Yeah, it, it's totally the type of team uh, that this is. Because, you know, we're, we, we are a team. As, our, as an organization, uh, our head groundskeeper, Justin Spillman, he and his team do an amazing job. Uh, he used to be groundskeeper over at Wrigley Field, and he keeps impact fields in pristine shape. And, you know, admittedly, I'm sure he was a little bit like, okay, like you're really going to pour all this beer on my precious field? And so they were like, hey, we got you. We'll, we'll pour beer on your field, and then we'll clean up. And he was like, great. So... Uh, I mean, they celebrated, they had fun, and then they cleaned up, and the field still looks great. So um, that's the kind of organizational effort that this this franchise is all about. That's fantastic. Well, Sam, take us out on this. We're going to get a little preview from you, if you don't mind, here. Uh, when the dogs win the, win the finals here for the Eastern Division and advance on, can, can you give us, because I know you practice, so I want to hear, if you wouldn't mind, What's the Sam Brief call that we're going to get that says the dogs are going on to, for the Miles Wolf Cup? I hate to be a diplomat here, but I don't <laughs> practice final calls. I say within my heart. I mean, if the dogs win on a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning, it'll look a lot different than if it's a 10 to nothing game where we know from the fifth inning that it's over. So I – Frankly, I mean, I, I really like to broadcast from the heart, authentically in the moment. So I'm not sure I can do that for you. I know I'm being a boring diplomat here, but you're going to have to wait till Wednesday or Thursday night, my friend. So oh, I get it. From the, heart is, from the heart is one of the things we love about Sam Brief. Sam, thanks for joining us for this preview. I, you guys are the man. And you know what? You are in my heart. Thank you very much. 